you're traveling through another podcast. A podcast not only of reviewing and discussing, but of discovery. A journey into a wondrous show whose boundaries are that of imagination. That's the RSS feed up ahead. Your next stop, Anthology. Hello and welcome to Anthology, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. If this is your first time listening, Anthology is one man's examination of the Twilight Zone as a first-time viewer. Each podcast, I review one episode of Rod Serling's iconic series and round out the show with a bonus review of a movie or show related to the week's main topic. I also cover modern anthology science fiction shows such as Black Mirror and Dimension 404 in bonus episode review series. You can find more of Anthology as well as a full episode archive at anthologypod.com. And if you want to contact me, you can use the Facebook page at facebook.com slash anthologypod. You can tweet me at obsessiveviewer, or you can send an email to matt at obsessiveviewer.com. Today on the podcast, I'll be discussing Nervous Man in a $4 Room. It's the third episode of the Twilight Zone's second season, and it aired on October 14th, 1960. And for this week's bonus review, I'll, sh- I'll share my thoughts on Shatterday and A Little Peace and Quiet, two stories that made up the first episode of the 1985 iteration of The Twilight Zone. Um, and before I say, before I get into my review and everything, I just want to point out that The Witching Season, which is a horror anthology uh, web series on uh, YouTube, at Witching Season Films, um, they just released their fifth episode. Um, it's a really great um, Halloween-esque um, uh, horror anthology series that if you're into that, you may want to check out because they do a really great job. We showed one of their episodes at uh, Shocktober in Irvington, the local event that my friends and I host at the Obsessive Viewer um, every year here in Indianapolis. Um, so yeah, check that out. It's called The Witching Season. I'll put a link in the show notes. It's it's really great. So yeah, and they just released their fifth episode. So congrats. Um, okay, so before I begin, of course, um, I'm going to have a full... Uh, spoiler review of Nervous Man in a $4 Room. So if you haven't seen the episode yet, uh, go check it out on Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime. It's available pretty much everywhere. Um, and then come back and listen to my review. So I'll start by reading a plot description courtesy of The Twilight Zone, Unlocking the Door to a Television Classic by Martin Grahams Jr. And here we go. Jackie Rhodes, a habitual nail-biter, is nothing but a nickel-and-dime man. His record with the police lists minor offenses. George, a shady racketeer, visits Jackie late one evening with a proposition to knock off an old man who constantly defied the protection racket. George's torpedoes will be picked up by the police after the killing, so he wants Jackie to do the job this time. George hands the little man a gun and warns him what will happen if the job isn't done. Alone in his hotel room, Jackie ponders whether or not he should commit he should commit the murderous act. He starts an argument with his alter ego in the mirror who pleads for Jackie to let him take over. His alter ego is tired of living in existence in which Jackie makes poor decisions, especially the ones he's about to, the one he's about to make tonight. After an exchange of words and flared tempers, Jackie finds the guts and goodness to grant his alter ego the opportunity. At 2.30 in the morning, George visits the hotel room to learn why the 
old man is still breathing. Jackie, now a new man with the name of John, pushes George around and orders him to go away or else. With one problem taken care of, John look John looks himself in the mirror to see his own reflection, that of Jackie still biting his nails. Jackie asks what comes next, and John, before exiting the room, informs his former ego that now they look for a job and a girl. This episode stars Joe Mantell as Jackie Rhodes. This is his first of two episodes of The Twilight Zone. Next we'll see from him is in uh, Season 5's Steel. Um, he's an actor that's known for his roles in Marty, uh, the birds and Chinatown in which his character actually speaks the, um, iconic line of forget it, Jake, it's Chinatown. He worked with, uh, again in 1966 in an episode of the loner titled the trial in paradise. Uh, he was also the son of a, an Austrian butcher and he served in the U S army in world war two. And uh, let's see, oh, and he also appeared in an episode of the ill-fated anthology series Out There in 1951 in an episode titled Ordeal in Space, which was based on a Robert Heinlein story. Um, and he was also in an episode of One Step Beyond titled The Stonecutter, which was originally uh, going to be my bonus review before Greg's email switched that over to Shatterday. So thanks again, Greg. But uh, that episode of One Step Beyond was uh, aired in 1959. And again, I'm really surprised. One Step Beyond is available on Amazon Prime right now. So go check that out. Um, As George in this episode is William D. Gordon. This is his first of two Twilight Zones. Next is uh, here in a few weeks in season two's Eye of the Beholder which is one of the episodes that I'm really looking forward to seeing. And William Gordon was actually an accomplished, a a very accomplished uh, TV writer. He wrote for the fugitive Ironside, uh, the Alfred Hitchcock hour, and also for chips, which, uh, chips just, I have, I didn't get around to seeing the remake. I didn't really have the heart to, or desire to, but the original series of chips is just (laughs) like, that was something that like I grew up watching reruns of it. Um, and I don't know, I I have a soft spot for chips. Um, writer for this episode is Rod Serling. Uh, he wrote this, uh, script in response to a request from CBS, um, in which they asked him to write scripts using as few actors as possible for budgetary purposes. Um, and this episode ended up being produced about $5,000 under budget. Um, which, I mean, that's an annoying, an annoying, an annoying request from a network, obviously, but I, I don't know. I mean, having like having just a few characters in a scene or in a whole episode is something that the twilight zone does so well. I just, I think it's, it's really great when, when the show, works in that in that way director for this episode is douglas hayes uh, which is this is his fifth of nine episodes uh his most recent episode was the after hours and his next will be the howling man so again we're gonna go full spoilers in this episode so so if you haven't seen it i hope you didn't pay attention to the plot description but i'm gonna be spoiling from here on out so um, what I knew before this episode was actually nothing. Um, 
I just knew of the title, and the title itself kind of conjured an image in my mind of Arch Hammer from The Four of Us Are Dying. That could have just been because there's a number, uh, there's a number in both uh, episode titles, and uh, Arch had a hotel room where he planned his his stuff. And I was kind of wondering if this episode had anything to do with the con man. So I was kind of close. And, uh, let's see. So, so yeah, um, when, when watching this episode for the first time, like this is the third episode of season two. I think this might've been like one of the times where I just really started to fall in love with that opening credit sequence. Um, the new one with an, with the music and everything. I just, I, I loved it. I thought it was great. Um, and, uh, so we get an opening shot of Jackie biting his nails and he's clearly visibly nervous and he is the titular character. And it's very clear, um, from the word go that, that he is a nervous man in a $4 room. Um, and then the phone rings and we get this really, um, it's not an exposition dump, but it's, we get this very, um, harried phone call between George and Jackie. And, um, we get kind of hints of, of what, what's going on that, that Jackie's been looking for a job and it's, it's very vague, but it's enough to really pull you in. And it, it was something that really made me invested in the character. Um, and as soon as he said that he was, that it, when he's reassuring George that he's not going to cop out, it made me think like, okay, he's a criminal. He's looking for work or for criminal orders from this guy on the other end of the line. Um, and then he says, and then he says that you can only stay in a hotel room for so long. And that's when I kind of started to wonder if like maybe he was trapped in the hotel room. Um, but I'll get more into that little pet theory I had, um, in a little bit, but I wanted to kind of point out how great the phone call scene is. Um, I just really like the way that it was choreographed and shot because Jackie jumps at the jumps at the phone and, and grabs it. And he's very excited to hear from George. And then, uh, as he's, as throughout the beginning of this phone call, he gets, he moves over to a chair that's next to the bed and he gets comfortable. But as the call progresses, he moves over, he moves back over to the bed and the camera just gets tighter and tighter on him. And it's just a really cool visual cue to show how trapped he is becoming and how, uh, tense the situation is for him. And, uh, just the way that Mantel balances that uh balances out that character and carries the entire episode is uh really remarkable and we get our introduction from serling saying that jackie is um 34 and he leaves a blot instead of a mark which i thought was a really colorful way to describe someone um i thought it was i thought it was cool um so the the way that uh, Joe Mantel's made up in the show, in the episode and the way that we see the sweat on his face and the way that he's just very exasperated and he's exhausted and he's very warm. Um, it goes it, like all of those things combined goes such a long way toward getting us into this, into his level of discomfort. Cause he is very uncomfortable and very, um, just, 
really discom- uh, uncomfortable and it just really makes us kind of feel for him in a way. Then when George comes in and we immediately know that he looks completely shady and uh, and that's when I got confirmation that this was definitely a criminal action thing that's going on. And I kind of was wondering, and maybe because he was dressed in a white suit, but I was wondering if George was maybe the devil. Um, like I really thought that George was the devil and that Jackie was in hell and that was going to be what the entire episode was about. Which is funny because you can kind of read the episode in that way. And it's it in a very subtle way. It's kind of like Jackie is in hell and that George is a devilish character who is forcing him to do something that he doesn't want to do. Um, in which case, in the, or in this case, George is ordering Jackie to murder this bar owner because he won't, uh, pay for protection and won't, won't, uh, pay them. And we get this really great scene where Jackie is explaining to George, he's saying like, no, get one of your tor- torpedoes to do it. I, I don't have any guts. I, he keeps saying, I got no guts, George. And I thought that that was really great. And, the way that we get, uh, the way that George responds to it, like he's very, he's not necessarily accommodating at first, but he just kind of loses it and kind of slaps Jackie around. And he explains that if the guy's not dead by two thirty or by two o'clock, if he doesn't at two o'clock, if he doesn't go murder the guy, George is going to come back at two thirty and kill Jackie. I thought that was a really great way to kind of set up the the position that Jackie's in. And it was a, it's very clearly like a tough spot for the character. Um, and then as soon as George leaves, we get this great, this, I mean, it may be my favorite scene of the episode. Um, it's where Jackie is giving himself a pep talk in the mirror. It's before the mirror version of him is revealed. Um, so it's just Joe Mantel, talking into a screen or talking to a mirror, talking to his own reflection is giving himself a pep talk. And it's just really great the way that it's handled and the way that it's written. And Joe Mantel just like that's confirmation that this episode is going to be great because Joe Mantel is just really commanding the screen. So it's, I don't know. It's kind of a fun little tease that we get one really great Joe Mantel scene or the pep talk is like the primer for us to get two of the same actor just really knocking it out of the park. Um, I, I thought that was kind of cool. Um, also I want to point out the shots that are from the ceiling. Like when Serling comes in for his opening narration and soon after the pep talk, uh, to the mirror reflection scene, like there are a couple shots of, of Jackie in the hotel room and, but, uh, but it's from the perspective of the ceiling. And I just, I loved that inclusion because it very much isolates that character and it really takes, uh, brings home the idea that he's in a very tough position and it kind of really carries through throughout the entire, um, rest of the episode. It's very isolating and I kind of equate it to being like watching a, a rat in a maze, um, and I just really, I like that. Um, I, I like that a lot. And so then we get the reveal that there's a mirror person and I was really wondering how they did it. Um, in that moment. And I wondered if they did, if they used twins again, like in, uh, like in a passage for trumpet, 
but no, it turns out that it was a, a rear projection uh, that they used. So they filmed uh, Joe Mantel doing his the mirror side of it and then filmed him doing the other side of it. There was actually an actor who went on to become a director who was used um, basically for Joe Mantel to play off of. Um, I can't remember his name. It was, I didn't put it in my notes, but something Burton anyway. Um, so that was interesting. And once we get in, like, this is when we get into the meat of the, of the episode. And I just love this as a concept. Um, he's basically talking to his conscience or, or his courage or his rational thinking mind, or really this idea of who he could have been and who he could be if he doesn't, um, if he, if he breaks himself from these really terrible, uh, decisions that he's made. It's just, it's such a great concept for a character, um, and for characterization. It's, it's a, such a great playground to show, uh, to showcase character development and, and to really dive into a human being and their inner struggle. It's just, it's a really cool way to, to bring that out. And it works, and it works really well here for this character because he is this. He's a character that you kind of unlike the unlike the castles, or unlike Arthur Castle in particular in in uh, the Man in the Bottle. Like Jackie is this kind of. He's not very. He's not really a sniveling character, or, and he's not. He doesn't seem like a bad guy, but it's just like he is the victim of his own poor decisions throughout his life. And, and that's kind of what's at play here is that he is coming to terms with that and his, his other half is his conscience is, is fighting him to not put himself into, or to not make the wrong decisions or to stop making the wrong decisions. And I love that the mirror image of him basically tells him that he is he's he explains that he's part of he's part of Jackie and he's the part that uh the the actual line is the part that you never let come out and he goes on to say that he the mirror reflection of him um he says that he has a right to live and i just i i love that setup and I, or i love that kind of idea that he is he's he's not trying to convince the nervous version of Jackie like he's not not, to an extent, he's not trying to convince him. He's not, it's not that he's, it's not that he's just like his, he's not giving him a pep talk or anything. He is fighting for control of their life. And it's just, it's a really strong way to develop the drama at play in the episode. And it's a really great way to showcase the character development as well. Um, it's just, it's a really great hook for, both characters motivation in the episode, essentially. Um, and then the mirror, the mirror, uh, Jackie kind of gets this, uh, he kind of reveal, doesn't reveal, he drops a bomb to, to our Jackie essentially and references a woman by the name of January. And I love that we don't get like a big whole history with them and, and we don't get this, we don't get like, it's, it's just this, it's this little nugget of, of history to this character and we get the impact of what it meant to him and what, what it means to both of both versions of him 
and who she was and and what happened with her. Um, and it's kind of heartbreaking because like the man in the mirror says, I, I loved January. And then he says that, uh, like she could have like the idea is that she could have saved Jackie. Like she could have pulled him out if, if he would have let her. Um, but it ended up that he says that she walked out of your life, Jackie out of our life. And I don't know the sentiment of that, the, the kind of, uh, the drama of that is just really, really uh, sad. Kind of devastating in a way because it's because even the mirror, the mirror version of Jackie talks about how uh, now she's she's left and she's gone on and she's gotten married and everything. It's just I don't know. It's 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 kind of heartbreaking and everything um, when you think about it. And we get like very dramatic moments between the two the two Jackies, we get, we get very dramatic moments between them. And then right at like the, the kind of climax of the drama, um, we get this really interesting kind of sweet comedic beat, um, that kind of felt a little, felt a little refreshing. Um, when Jackie says that no one's going to tell me what to do. Um, and then after he says that the phone rings and he's still kind of hot from, from the argument and everything. So he's, so he kind of answers it forcefully and then like he immediately just like drops down. It's like, yeah, George, yeah, I'm, I'm on my way out. Uh, we're okay. He becomes like this, this very, he goes back to the nervous man essentially. Um, and it, it all kind of comes to a head and it kind of, the way it plays out at the end is that we get the mirror version of him saying that he wants a decent job and he wants friends. And I don't know, just like that just hit me. Like that's, that's so amazing to show this, this inner struggle between these two characters or between like this inner struggle of one man split into two distinct personalities and showing that one of them is filled with this anxiety and this fear and this, um, this trap that he has set for himself throughout all of these different decisions that he's made that are all wrong. And the, then we have the other side of it, who is this version of the, of the character that the, that the nervous character never lets, never lets take control. And it's just remarkable because that is a character that like, that's, that's the side of the character that is the strength of, of like, he's a strength. He's the character's strength essentially personified. And he's what can, he is the version of Jackie that can pull him out of this, uh, downward spiral and this, this life of this life that's being threatened to be ended very soon. Um, and it's just this struggle between the two versions of it. That's, that's the fear and anxiety and, and the, uh, the fear associated with, with turning over that new leaf and, and, um, making yourself better. Um, cause Jackie is in this and is in this rut and he's, he can't get out of it. Um, and when you're in that kind of rut and you're in that situation, you can't, you can't like, like it, you don't feel like you should have, or you don't feel like other people can pull you out of it. And that's kind of the position that I feel like the nervous version of Jackie is, um, playing with, um, or going through. And it's, it's just really well drawn and throughout the episode. 
so then after there's a big kind of spinning mirror effect that I thought was pretty cool. And then we get the scene where George comes back into the room and like he even says, like the first thing he says is get up little man. And it's so demeaning. And so just like, it's clear, like, like where Jackie stands with, with George and what type of person Jackie is seen to be by George. Like the type of person that George sees in Jackie is this, this little, this little guy that he can, he can slap around and, and force him to do things. And it's just, it's, it's really great. The brevity of it and the, uh, how, how little there is there, but how much subtext is there between the characters. It's really remarkable writing. Um, and then we get the reveal that he's now John Rhodes and that he is the mirror version of him. And like, we get this great, the great scene where he just says, I resign. And then he, kind of slaps around George a little bit and takes him by surprise and threatens him and tells him that, uh, tells him to, to get out and then he's getting out and everything. And I just, I, I love the courage in, in John's character in that scene. I just, I love the, the courage that's on display and the, the confidence. It's really great. And it just left, it, it left with me just this really nice uplifting feeling. Like this is a really great uplifting episode for this character. And also when he, when he kind of chases George out of the hotel room and then you see him throw the gun away, it's just, it's, that's a nice touch. That's a nice way to end it. And a nice touch. Um, and then we see obviously the nervous version of Jackie, um, in the mirror, it kind of felt like on first viewing that John was imprisoning that side of him, but through the dialogue, you, you really get the sense that he's, he's not imprisoning him. It's just, he's taking control and that they're, they're both kind of, they're together. They're, they're one person, obviously. Um, and leaves on that note of John saying that they're going to go get a, uh, get a job and, and find a girl. It's just, ah, it's, it's a beautifully made episode. It's a beautifully done episode and it's such an uplifting episode. And I'd like that we've had two kind of back to back, like uplifting, very kind of positive episodes. I'm, I'm really happy about that. Um, and yeah, I think, I think that's it for my review. Um, as far as trivia is concerned, um, this is, uh, the actual, this is the first time that, the famous lines, uh, you talking to me, you talking to me were said like before, way before taxi driver or dirty Harry. Um, Jackie Rhodes is just sitting in front standing in front of a mirror. And he asks, you talking to me, you talking to me. It's, it, that's a cool little, uh, that that's a cool little thing. Um, also, uh, after adjusting for inflation, the $4 that were spent for that room would be the equivalent of, uh, $32, um, as of 2014. And also, uh, if you're in the mood for a dangerous drinking game, Jackie Rhodes says George 56 times and 20 of them are within the first two minutes of the episode. Um, and I'm kind of, that kind of sparse on, on trivia this week, but, um, but yeah, my overall thoughts on, on, uh, nervous man in a $4 room is it's a, like I said, it's a really beautiful episode. It's a really great, um, exercise in 
showing the duality of two uh, of one character, the two sides of one character, and having them battle it out in a very organic and, and dramatic way that doesn't feel like it's it doesn't feel unnatural even though it is a supernatural scenario and everything it's it's and it's really remarkable the way that uh the storyline concludes and, and the way that it plays out I, I really dug this episode i thought it was a lot of fun and it was really uh really strong and again uplifting and i love that um, now, before we move on to this week's bonus review, uh, here's a highlight from episode 185 of The Obsessive Viewer, in which, uh, which is a movie and TV podcast that I host with my friend Tiny, along with some occasional guest co-hosts. Um, this episode is where we reviewed Snowden, and I also talked about uh, The Witching Season, which I referenced earlier in this episode. Um, yeah, so here's the clip. I listen to The Simpsons while I sleep. That's a weird sentence. Yeah, um, but I leave my laptop open because I watch it on my laptop, and uh, and just I'm just thinking like someone could just turn it on and watch me sleep. Yeah, uh, which is disturbing. But it's funny because in the movie uh, he puts band aids over over the uh, the thing, and I'm like when I saw that I was like, that's such a better way to do it. <laughs> um, <laughs> like I felt like an idiot that I didn't think of that. Plus, it's kind of uh, but, uh, it's kind of. Uh, ironic imagery if you will a mm-hmm. band-aid putting a band-aid on yeah, it he, yeah. yeah you can find the obsessive viewer on itunes stitcher google play and at obsessiveviewer.com and you can find the episode you just sort of clip from at obsessiveviewer.com slash ov185 all right so this week's bonus review was again suggested by listener greg so thank you so much for the for the recommendation um that's one of the things that i like the conceit of this podcast is that I'm going through the Twilight Zone as a first-time viewer, so I don't know like what episodes of the Twilight Zone have future episodes of the like have like remake episodes or anything like that. I don't have that information in front of me, so I kind of have to play it by ear um, week to week. So I'm glad that I got the tip on uh, Shatterday. Uh, so. Uh, my bonus review, of course, is the first episode of The Twilight Zone from 1985. Um, this episode has two stories. It's uh, Shatterday and A Little Peace and Quiet. So first I'll start with Shatterday, which is very closely uh, related or similar to uh, Nervous Man, A $4 Room. Um, it features a... It, it stars Bruce Willis. It's based on a short story by Harlan Ellison and directed by Wes Craven, of all people. That that surprised me. I, I was really, uh, really pleasantly surprised by that because I'm a big Wes Craven fan. I mean, I kind of grew up loving the Scream franchise, oddly enough. And, I mean, when he when he passed away, it kind of brought, like, this realization to my life that, like, he... I mean, his work is the reason why I probably like seeing seeing Scream put me into a onto a path that let like I probably wouldn't have podcasts. I probably wouldn't be as into movies and TV as I am if it hadn't been for Wes Craven and Scream. So, yeah, I kind of respect him a lot. And it's really fitting that Wes Craven directed this. Um, it's it's just it's funny to me that he directed a very phone heavy su- suspense story for the Twilight Zone uh, eleven years before 
Scream, which obviously is very phone centric. So I thought that that was kind of a cool coincidence. And and I kind of like the phone conceit of the episode. Like I, I like the phone aspect of it because it makes it more tense than, than the mirror image storyline. Um, this is a more intense kind of cat and mouse game and a struggle between two characters uh, to take ownership of their life. Um, so that's, that's vastly different from, um, from, uh, nervous man, a $4 room, but it works in this context. It's, it's pretty cool. Um, and the whole kind of thing is that basically Bruce Willis is, uh, in two places at once. He's at a, he's at a restaurant, he's at a bar. Um, and then he's also at his apartment. So he calls himself, he and the, both Bruce's talk to each other and the kind of idea is that they're going to get the kind of idea is that Bruce a wants to get Bruce B out of the apartment so that Bruce a can live his life. Um, and it, it turns into a, a, like I said, a very interesting game of cat and mouse, uh, despite my really haphazard way of describing it. Um, one thing I didn't really like about the episode, I, or I don't know if, I don't know if I would say I didn't like it. I just was bothered by it. It's, there are title cards for each day. Um, so it's like someday, Tuesday, uh, wounds day. And like, it's a, it's like a play on words or, a, a play on words of each uh, day of the week. And I, I just thought that that kind of cheesed it up just a little bit. Um, and there's a whole idea of that the one who actually deserves to be Bruce Willis's character gets the life. Um, and it kind of plays with some concepts of, of conscience and the weight and the, and the toll of being honest with yourself. Cause Bruce, the, the first Bruce we see kind of goes through this very very uh terrible uh not transition but he gets he gets progressively worse and worse as the episode as the as the story unfolds like he gets like his his uh he becomes very disheveled and very i don't know very disheveled and very out of it and and kind of crazy um, I'm being vague cause I don't want to spoil it or anything, but overall I thought it was solid. I, I liked it. Um, I thought it was a cool, uh, way to introduce the twilight zone, the 1985 version of the twilight zone. Um, and it felt like overall like this, it felt like a self-improvement parable that I, I kind of, I kind of dug that. I thought that it was a cool way to kind of bring, um, bring about that sub that, uh, that theme essentially. Um, and it, it also gets some pretty good points for me for being fairly intense and uh, the tension of it was, was pretty pretty well done. And I like kind of the, not necessarily horror elements of it, but the the tension of the, the phone conversations I, I think was really the episode's strengths. Um, and I liked it. Um, the other half of the first episode of The Twilight Zone from 1985 is A Little Peace and Quiet, which is about a woman who is kind of really stressed out from um, having a bunch of kids and, and just being really stressed out. And she finds a watch that allows her to stop time at will, which first of all, 
Um, that is like my number one, like fantasy supernatural fantasy thing is like, I want to be able to stop time. Like that would be incredible. But yeah. So anyway, so the beginning of the episode shows that she lives in a very hectic household. She's kind of at her wits end. There's stress all over the place. Kids are really out of control. She has to help her husband with a lot of stuff. It's very like they hit us over the head with how stressed out she is. And it just solidifies that. I don't think I ever want to have kids like nothing against people that have kids. I admire you guys, but I want to sleep when I want to sleep. I just, I, I don't think I ever want to have kids and just seeing that in this, seeing the way that this episode portrays the harried lifestyle of the, of, of, um, uh, of kind of the standard like nuclear family. It's just like, I'm like, Nope, I'm good. I, I, I think, uh, having a cat is probably the maximum amount of responsibility I can take anyway. So the episode keeps hitting us over the head with, over the head with the mom's stress levels. Like there's the morning scene of, of the hectic aspect of, of in the morning then like there's a scene in the store where she's freaking out or she's not freaking out, but the kids are all being very, uh, obnoxious. Um, and I mean, we sure, sure. We need that. It's just, it gets a little repetitive after a while. I don't, I don't know. I kind of started to lose my, uh, patience just a little bit with it. But then as soon as she learns that she can stop time and everything, you know, it's, it's kind of nice. Cause she, enjoys herself. She like that brings her happiness. And I, I really, uh, responded to that. There's kind of this whole subtext throughout it that I won't go into too much of it. It's about kind of the, uh, the world, the state of the world at the time. And it kind of leads to this, uh, surprising ending that I really, I really enjoyed. I, I really, I really thought that it was a clever way to end the episode. Um, and kind of horrifying, uh, in a way. I, I, and I, I really respected that. Um, I thought it was cool. Also, one thing that I thought was really interesting, it was because as I said, I'm, I mean, as a concept, I love this idea of being able to stop time as much as you want or at any time you want. Um, because clearly if you guys pay attention to how, um, <laughs> how, uh, infrequent these episodes come out, but, um, like as someone myself who clearly has crappy time management skills, this is such a big fantasy of mine and it always has been. And this episode kind of showcased something that I never really considered about it in that, um, with this power, there's no fear of conflict. Like she, like she gets, um, uh, okay. Like she, she's at the store and she's kind of fighting, this woman or arguing with this woman over the last, uh, particular type of cereal that their kids love. And so it's just like an easy solution. Just like pause time, take it, leave the store. And, and, you know, you completely avoided any kind of conflict. And it kind of also, uh, comes into play a little bit later when she gets visitors at the door that are asking her to support this debate that they're having. Um, and it's just, it kind of gets a little bit heated, but then she just freezes time and then 
moves them. It's it's really it's it's fun and it's a it's a cool way to kind of um it's a cool aspect of that of that power and that plot device, I guess. Um so yeah, so overall I thought that the uh, a little peace and quiet was was pretty uh pretty cool. Um I'm glad that Shatterday was kind of the lead cuz it feels a little more Twilight Zone esque, I guess. Um, a little peace and quiet was very twilight zone in its own right, but it was more of a light. I don't even want to say lighthearted because the way that it ended, it was very, very much not lighthearted, but, um, but it, it kind of seemed more, more comedic or more, uh, well, at least the first two thirds of it were more lighthearted than anything. um, yeah, and, and I mean, that covers my bonus review of Shatterday and A Little Peace and Quiet uh, from the Twilight Zone's 1985 remake. Um, I enjoyed it, and, and I'm glad that I own the DVDs from uh, the box set that I have. So eventually I'll go through it all, and, and I'll watch it and likely review everything on, on here. Obviously, this is years down the road, but um, I'm looking forward to it. The more that I watch the 1980s, uh, Twilight Zone, the more intrigued I am by it and the more interested I am in it. But obviously I have a long road ahead of me with uh, the original Twilight Zone, so we'll get there. But um, yeah, so I guess that does it for this week's episode. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. And uh, of course, if you want to help support the show, you can go leave a rating and review on iTunes or you can donate. Uh, to the podcast through PayPal by clicking the donate button on anthologypod.com or becoming a recurring uh, sponsor at patreon.com slash obsessive viewer. And yeah, next week on the podcast or next time on the podcast, I'll be reviewing a thing about machines, which is the C- uh, episode four of season two of the twilight zone at the time of this recording, which is immediately after my recording of last week's episode of, uh, uh, the man in the bottle. So if my voice sounds hoarse, that's why it's three thirty AM and I just recorded two episodes of the podcast. Um, but that's fine. Cause, cause in like 15 or 24 hours, 36 hours, I'm going, going to go to work in a call center. So cool. Anyway, um, at the time of this recording, I don't have a bonus review for a thing about the machines. I haven't, or a thing about machines. I actually haven't watched the episode yet. Um, so I don't actually have a frame of reference for what it, for what the bonus review could be, but, um, I'm sure I'll mention it on the, on the Facebook page. Just make sure you like the page and everything and make sure you check out my, uh, if you want to, my bonus review series on dimension 404. Um, it's interesting because I'm, cause I'm coming off of doing a bonus review series on black mirror, which is just, was, which is a show that I, that is established and that I know that I love and that I really enjoy. Um, and so this is a different beast by going into dimension 404. This is completely new. And so some of the episodes may not be quite to my liking. And so it's interesting checking that out. Uh, so anyway, check out that, all that at anthologypod.com. And, uh, once again, thank you guys so much for listening and I'll see you next time. Hey guys, before I end the episode here, I just wanted to make a special announcement that uh, t-shirts for uh, for Anthology 
podcast are now available. Um, I just uploaded the design onto tpublic.com, um, where you can go and just type in Obsessive Viewer or Anthology Podcast or click the link in the show notes of this episode or at anthologypod.com slash 036. Um, that link will take you to the design for the shirt. So basically you just go, um, pick a shirt, um, pick the color and it'll get printed on this pretty nice, uh, cotton shirt. Um, I bought a bunch of shirts from T Public lately, so I'm really excited to have, um, official, um, merch on the website. Um, we also have some other merchandise there. There's like travel mugs, coffee mugs, um, laptop cases, phone cases, stickers, notebooks, um, a bunch of stuff you can get that has the anthology logo plastered all over it. Um, so yeah, go ahead and check that out. And as a special bonus, since I just now uploaded them, um, the all of the products for anthology on tpublic.com are currently at a discount so you can save like three bucks if you buy them within the next 48 to 72 hours so if you're listening to this and you want to both support me and show your pride for being a fan of uh anthology uh go check that out and uh buy a shirt or or sticker or something um i'm really excited for it i just ordered mine for uh indie popcon here in a couple weeks and I'm excited that uh I'll have I'll have that. So yeah, once again, I'll I'll go ahead and end this episode here and uh hope you guys have a great great one and uh thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Anthology, presented by obsessiveviewer.com. For more of Anthology and a full archive of my episodes, go to anthologypod.com. And if you want to help support the show, the easiest way you can do that is by leaving a rating and a review on iTunes. You can also make donations to the show courtesy of the donate link in the show notes of each episode and on anthologypod.com. For recurring donations, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash obsessive viewer and just choose one of the anthology reward tiers. If you enjoy Anthology, feel free to check out The Obsessive Viewer, a weekly movie and TV podcast I host with my friend Tiny and occasional guest co-hosts over at ObsessiveViewer.com. You can also join The Obsessive Viewer Facebook group at Facebook.com slash The Obsessive Viewer. For book reviews and commentary on the world of reading, check out our sister site at ObsessiveBookNerd.com. And for philosophical discussions from a secular viewpoint, check out my friends Chad and Amanda at thesecularperspective.com. Finally, if you'd like to contact me with your thoughts on the show, my reviews, my bonus reviews, or for any other reason, you can tweet me at ObsessiveViewer, send me an email at matt at ObsessiveViewer.com, or send me a message on Facebook and like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash anthologypod. Once again, thank you guys so much for listening, and I'll see you next time. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Sick of being upsold at gyms? 
My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.